Welcome into the Esports Network Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Correa, and we talk about everything and anything related to esports. Well, that's the players, the games, the, the competition, the limelight, the, the kind of interesting things surrounding events. And here to talk to me about that last thing, it's a little, little unknown, I guess, right? Justin Rojas, the VP of events at Envy Gaming. Justin, thank you for coming on and taking some, some time out of your day to come on the show and talk about what you do for Envy Gaming in terms of events and how that's been working out for you. So thank you again for coming on thank you for having me great to be here so in case you don't know justin you've been with uh envy game for what four ish years now i'm assuming yep yeah <laughs> i started back in uh the end of 2017 um it's it's funny because i was actually hired on specifically to be the uh director of uh social content uh and development so a mm-hmm. um, little bit different what i'm doing now but kind of if you look through the background of all the stuff it's it, it all kind of plays into each other so yeah, going on uh, year four here. Yeah, so you, I mean, it's all interconnected, right? Content, social media, and of course, you know, events. And so, if you don't know, you you're also uh, with uh, Funimation for almost almost ten years. I want to say it's it's a yeah. pretty pretty good time in Flower Mound, Texas, to be spent with uh, Funimation. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. You know, I got that job just about out of college. I had like an agency job right in between, and uh, got picked up there to be an assistant brand manager. Uh, that was like what two thousand and eight or so um and it would just been great for me being in dallas i'm born and raised here in dallas right and uh flower mound is not too far and uh, i went to ut dallas graduated from there and i have never had to leave dallas for a job which has been pretty cool and i've worked in anime gaming and esports and have never had to leave that's awesome i mean it's not often you get that usually people have to like move out to la or move to san francisco or new york or some other far off coastal city and lucky for us we both get to stay here in uh, the places where we live and, and kind of uh, planted our roots right yep it's awesome yep. So um, a lot of the things that you do are pretty much the behind the scenes. A lot of people don't often see it unless it's like a flashy meme on, on the social media or, or some great event happening. But what led you to take on that role, like kind of, you know, leading content, leading social media, and then, of course, you know, leading events? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, like I said, I was at Funimation for a while um, over there handling general marketing, brand ambassador, uh, brand management, excuse me, um, which we worked with brand ambassadors. Um, and, and then that kind of transitioned into social media and, and, and to be honest, that term didn't even exist then it was, mm. we called it word of mouth marketing. And this is like 2008, 2009. And I just was like, Hey, you know what? Let's just dabble around on these, these new platforms online. We have a MySpace page, but you know what? I want to create a Twitter <laughs> account. I want to make a Facebook. Like that sounds so ridiculous that that literally didn't exist then. And, um, you know, dabbled in that and it became a bigger and bigger thing, um, which led to me going to, uh, you know, go to events to, rep- you know, to capture content for social media conventions and things like that. Then we started doing red carpet premieres uh, uh, and, and, you know, bigger and bigger activations um, while I was at Funimation, you know, Dragon Ball Z movies, mm-hmm. Full Metal Alchemist, you know, like like all that good stuff, uh, you know, doing the launch for Attack on Titan, My Hero Academia. All that stuff that's like big, big stuff now. And we were just kind of messing around, figuring out how all this works back then. And and that eventually led to me going to BlizzCon. Uh, BlizzCon, I forget what year this was. Maybe t- Actually, it was 2017. It's the year I got hired. <laughs> um, because uh, I was there, you know, Overwatch. Um, I-, I played Overwatch a whole lot. And uh, very anime-centric kind of game with the lore and the characters and everything. And so I was like, hey... 
I would love to do some sort of thing with this new Overwatch League that's coming out. You know, we work in anime. There's such a good crossover in that audience. And so my buddy who worked at HP Omen, who was the big sponsor for uh, Overwatch League at the time, who actually I helped get a job at Funimation <laughs> years before that, um, was like, hey, come meet the Dallas team. Oh. You know, maybe you can figure something out. And so I just tagged along with him to a meeting. And I was like, hey, I'm uh, Justin. I work in uh, Funimation in Dallas. You know, you guys are in Dallas. We're in Dallas. Like, maybe let's do something. And uh, meeting, you know, Stro, Mike Rufail, uh, our GM for the Fuel Team, uh, Matt Tasmo, uh, some of the investor, you know, owners and things. And Mike was like, hey, you know, we're moving to Dallas right now. And we need to, you know, do the stuff you're doing. Would you consider working for us instead? Wow. And so I was like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. But uh, yeah, let's talk about it. And about, you know, two months of back and forth or so. They're like, yep, we're moving. Our office is here. Uh, here's a job if you want to take it. And uh, this is right after kind of the Sony uh, uh, buy, uh, purchase of, of Funimation mm. at the time. It was about a, maybe a year into that or so. And I was like, you know what? I appreciate all the opportunities I've had at Funimation. Appreciate being in the anime industry. It's big, been a big passion of mine. Um, and I'm ready for kind of a new challenge. I kind of did everything I wanted to do here. Um, Sony is going to come in and you know, kind of create this new corporate structure. I like kind of being more on that, like, startup, mom and pop, like, figure things out kind of side of the business. And that's basically what Envy Gaming was doing by moving to Dallas. So I was like, you know what? Let's try this. I'm going to do this. It's been about 10 years. That's a good run. Uh, so let's try something new. No, I mean, and it's, it sounds like you, you pulled it off with a plum. I mean, you're, you've been there four years almost now. And so uh, from what I've, what, I've, what I've seen, what I've been to, what I've experienced, and, you know, from, from word of mouth from other people, the events you've kind of helped put together and the social media content, it's all been going off, like, swimmingly, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it's been a really fun journey to, to create that because, I mean, like I said, I got hired for social media and content, but then these opportunities came about where we're like, hey, can we should do like watch parties for these events. You know, we have, we're, we're a home team. How mm -hmm. do we, how do we engage with our local audience? And they're like, does anybody here do that? Like we don't have an events team. And I was like, well, you know, at Funimation, I, I did a lot of events. I went to conventions. I put together our premieres uh, with, you know, the rest of the team and stuff. It's like, I can, you know, throw a couple bar parties. Sure. And I remember having our first uh, uh, event, our first watch party was at a place called Max Southside uh, <laughs> off Lamar. Yep. And, you know, bar that holds about maybe 200 people max. And you're like, all right, well, put, I'll post about this on social media. It was like our, um, I forget which match. It was, it was like a month in maybe to the season. I was like, you know, let's, let's test this out. Uh, hey, fans, come join us at this bar. You know, we'll watch the game cool you know we'll have some pri prizes and freebies we'll give away some jerseys and we got there and this bar that holds like you know maybe 200 people we had a line out the door we had wow. about 500 people show up and i was wow. like oh my gosh how what are we what am i gonna do like <laughs> I, I, we need a, like, like uh, this is important i need these people need they came here to have a good time and so i literally was running to the bars and restaurants next door. And I was like, Hey, uh, if I can bring you guys like a hundred people or more, will you just put this, this, this video game on the TV? Like you have a smart TV. Let's go to the, <laughs> you know, the Twitch app or whatever at the time. And can you just put this on? And they're like, um, okay, I guess so. We, you know, it's a kind of a slow night anyway. I was like, great. And I went to the next one and the next one. When we took that block, we took that block over with like 500 people 
in like three or four bars and restaurants and i was like hey uh we're still gonna try to do all these giveaways so i was like literally running back and forth between each venue trying to host <laughs> all of them at the same time it was pretty crazy and that just developed into this this you know whole thing on its own um and luckily you know we hired on some new people for social content and all that stuff and so i eventually made the transition fully to events when we had our first homestand in 2019 which was a big deal right 4500 people a day over 9000 for the weekend like that was a massive event we're the first home game yep. for an esports team right Te- and so technically yeah that just kind of set it off and then <laughs> it, the next year we had all these big plans right because we had that 2019 amazing event we signed up for the maximum amount of events you could do for the <laughs> leagues for the, for 2020 we did our first in february and then March came, and I was like, oh, we're not doing any more events. <laughs> I mean, so tell me about that, because like you, you had this, this quick you know, trial by fire with, you know, with these bars. You move up to the, the, the homestand event. You're, you're lined up for 2020. You have not just the Overwatch League team, but also the Call of Duty League team was also going to have some events planned out, I'm, I'm assuming. And then all of a sudden, it all just went away. Yeah. How, I mean, how difficult was that to like, to come to terms with, right? Like all the hard work, all the man hours, you know, kind of, you know, going through meetings, going through motions. Was it kind of difficult to, to kind of recalibrate and refocus? You know, it was, it was an interesting process because we really, you know, started working on these events six months in advance, right? So it's like summer of 2019, we've did our big homestand in April. Uh, and then we're gearing up for, you know, the next year, and we had five Overwatch homestands and two Call of Duty majors, basically, that we had planned. So that's seven, like, full weekends of events. Some of them were going to be scheduled to be back-to-back as well, too. Mm-hmm. And there's we are working with, uh, I think at the time, three different venues. So you can't even rinse and repeat your plans, because it was like, every Overwatch game is going to be almost in a different venue, minus, like, two. And each Call of Duty event is going to be in a different venue. And so the Call of Duty and Overwatch events also aren't, aren't very, they're very different in the way you have to facilitate everything. So we basically had to create seven different plans uh, for all this different stuff. And it was a lot of work. Uh, you know, we, we had our first event, which did very well. We mm-hmm. sold out and we had, uh, you know, tons of people. It was, it was great. But also, to be honest, I don't think the, the market was ready for seven events in the same like home market right i think people were excited to go to one or two or you know three maybe spaced out across the year but having back-to-back um events like two in a month i think that was going to be a real challenge not just from a logistics piece but i think from an audience standpoint i think we still had a lot of work to do in developing the the local market which i think you know we've done a lot more work towards now um and Call of Duty League, I mean, it was the first year, right? So mm-hmm. we had a brand new team, a brand new IP. Dallas Empire never existed before. So how are you going to, you know, sell this event for a team that no one's ever technically heard of until this year? And so there's a lot of groundwork that we needed to do. And to be honest, the, the pandemic was almost a blessing in disguise. Wow. Uh, because, you know, there are certain goals we need to hit. There are certain... Um, we we might have got a little bit in over our heads on a couple of the pieces, and I mean it was a lot. <laughs> I mean, um, what was that? Pandi- <laughs> what was most of that time like during the pandemic spent on? Right, didn't have any events planned. Was it most just like let's do some virtual events? Let's just focus on content, or were you just kind of? I'm assuming you weren't moping around the office, right? 
<laughs> no, because the office was closed. Exactly. So we couldn't go to the office. <laughs> uh, moping at home, maybe. Uh, no, but it, w- it was actually really good for me because we were spent, so- we spent so much time in the, you know, planning these events and it, it gave me actually a little bit of a break, which was, was mentally needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent a lot of time, um, you know, while we were unsure. The, the, the hardest part about the pandemic wasn't that events got canceled, it was that we weren't sure if against events were going to get canceled. We weren't sure how long it was going to last. Mm. So we sure we canceled our like April event, but then we had an event in May and a May a event in June and an event in July. So we were like, do we keep working on the June event? Do we keep working on the July events? So it was this process of like working on things as if they were going to happen and then waiting to see if they get canceled or not. And so there was still a lot of that happening. Wow. So I was still planning and planning and planning. I had about maybe three weeks of like nothing to do because we were just like, you can't do anything because we don't know. And then it was like, okay, you know what? This thing will probably be over in a few months. Let's keep working on this stuff. <laughs> and then that gets canceled. And then you like get another week of like, uh, what are we doing? Can I do anything? All right. I'll try to work on the next one. That's like in another month after that. And then that gets canceled. And so (laughs) it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of hurry up and wait. Um, Luckily, I also got to work, you know, being from home, working from home and stuff. You know, got to spend some time taking care of things around the house. I started renovations. uh, I started gardening. I started biking a whole lot. So, you know, I try to make the best out of my time um, because I'm the type of person who if I don't have something to do, I'm going to find some way to fill my time. Uh, and luckily that happened. No, and I for played sure. some video games that I didn't get to play before. So. <laughs> hey, pandemic was really a blessing, guys, for for me too. You know, we had, we had a a pregnancy going on in my household. The baby popped out and everything, and I just like I found this great position, and so I was like, well, now I get to work from home and like see my my kid grow up, which is awesome. So that's that's yeah. something that that like a lot of people just I think it's understated for a lot of people. But I mean, based on on you and your team's experience, right, in, throughout the pandemic and kind of just working and stopping, working and stopping, and a lot of unknowns, some confusion sometimes i guess what was the biggest lesson you learned from this this time period was it just like maybe we should be better like i guess uh organization or something like that i don't know what what exact goes through the 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 brain you know the brain tank or the, the think tank if you will of the uh, the env- uh, events team so i think one of the biggest um learnings we did uh take away from this is is that i don't think any event we're ever going to do again is going to be purely physical right mm-hmm. um Personally, during this time, I also started an online convention um, called HomeCon, which was kind of like a pop culture convention with, with guests and things. And we did it. We, you know, the the advent of Zoom becoming really popular and, and, and being able to use that to connect fans with their favorite celebrities and, and do meet and greets and all that type of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. This fan engagement piece is very apparent when you're in a physical space, but but it doesn't stop there. How do you take every physical event? Uh, and and make an online component that engages people beyond your immediate space. And sure, that's con- that's not a new concept by any means. But when you're forced to do it, it it progresses technology. It progresses people's willingness to engage in that way. And I think that's something that's never going to go away anymore. So you have to kind of plan for that for all your future events. Like, how do we take advantage of this this a- adoption of digital media? This uh, the the increase in, in, in all, all demographics being a little more tech savvy, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that really adds to the, the variety of events we can do, right? And so um, we did some digital events. Uh, we did some uh, online tournaments. We did some, uh, you know, watch party style things <laughs> digitally. So that was a big piece of it. And, and, and being able to plan for that, not only just as a events team, but as a future venue building team because that's the thing we're going to do right and, and eventually we're going to build our own venues and we're going to we're going to be able to engage in, in in that space and how do we optimize these new things to accommodate for both the digital event space and the physical event space at the same time okay so that's that's kind of what i've been hearing a lot of too just a lot of focus kind of been reiterating that you know it's not just a physical experience it's also a digital one too for a lot of people but i mean now and now it's 2021 right 2020 has happened events have been kind of effectively canceled for 2020 2021 is a little bit of a different story you're still dealing with COVID 19 you're still dealing with a little bit of confusion but you've managed to put together you know some smaller events like in-person events i know the the uh esports state of marlington hosted the the the, the dallas kind of home event there it wasn't really i don't know if you call it a land because they were playing the team from houston who was mm-hmm. out in houston still but at least the the dallas fuel team got to come out in front of the fans and kind of have a little bit of interaction there how has that been coming along for you guys it's still just like a gradual process of just kind of figuring out you know state rules and regulations and, and then combining that with the federal cdc guidelines is it just like a whole new learning experience for you guys yeah, it's definitely a lot of research we had to do. You know, we engage with our our uh, legal team as well to make sure we're we're within you know all of the sanctioned activation you know requirements and things like that. And working with the league, luckily they they've been pretty flexible with us uh, in how to make that happen. Um, you know, one of the challenges is like you said the the regulations. There's there's federal and there's state st- state stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And Activision Blizzard is a uh, California based company, so they're uh requirements are, are much different than being in texas and we we know that right we see that in all kinds of ways yes and so <laughs> if, if it's an overwatch event or a call of duty event you know officially with with the league officials and things like that you've got to take care of certain precautions if it's a texas only team uh, and nobody else is traveling then you can do different types of things and so walking that fine line between like what's acceptable um legally but also what's acceptable from a, you know, social perception, you know, you, you, you don't want to, you want to make everybody feel uh, comfortable in their space. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that, it, that's different depending where you live and we want to be safe overall. Right. Of course. So there's things that we, you know, we still increase the level of precautions that even if the state doesn't mandate it, there's still stuff we're going to do in addition to, uh, to just make sure, you know, it's a safer environment. Um, it was really cool being able to do, the Battle for Texas event we did against Houston, um, I feel like that was a new hybrid style event, again, going back to these hybrids, that that potentially could be a more common feature of a, something like an Overwatch League. Mm-hmm. Um, it, taking, being able to take advantage of the local energy and the local uh, you know, drive of fans to, to come to a space that also energizes your team. It's not necessarily just for the fans it's for our team too they get to play in front of a crowd that's cheering them on there is still really a home team advantage even in esports Mm -hmm. Uh, we've seen it happen uh and especially when the other team's there and they're getting booed there's there's a psychological element to that um but you know the positive uh you know vibe that we get from our our passionate fans really helps um and then you know it's very different we did the call of duty major four Mm -hmm. in june which with activision blizzard 
Um, they required no fans at that event, and it was just purely a closed set studio, basically, for the teams to play on LAN. Um, you know, the, the event went well. You know, it, it brought Call of Duty back to LAN, which is much more uh, competitive in that scene, right? When mm-hmm. the LAN is very different in certain aspects. For so sure. that, that went really well. Um, and then for the, you know, July they did the call call of duty major five here and we assisted them in producing that um with some of the production on the back end and then also handling front of house with ticket sales and audience uh you know kind of uh traffic flow and, and management so we got to do a little bit of everything yeah and that's pretty cool we got to see the different styles of events you could do it's a lot of learnings it's a lot of things that we can do but towards future events and uh for us as an events team uh, you, you honestly couldn't ask for more in this particular time frame. For sure, no, for sure. It's 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 great to kind of have. It's not like a, a it's not like what you had, right? Like a trial by fire. Like all of a sudden, everything's popping off at once. For a lot of your newer staff, it's a little bit easier to kind of like wade in a little bit, you know, softer, a little bit slower, and that way, it's it's an easier way to kind of learn the process of things. But obviously, I'm assuming you can't say too much uh, from like the latter half of this year going into 2022. But I'm assuming you guys have some great things planned, right? Yeah, we're we're working on some ideas. Uh, definitely, twenty twenty two is going to be, you know, hopefully <laughs> things get resolved, right? Knock on wood. <laughs> um, but once that happens, we've got some big stuff that we should be, you know, rolling out with. And you know, we're we're using this year again as kind of a research and development year as well. Too, uh, I've personally been traveling to other events. I'm going to New York Comic Con in a month or so. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, I still, luckily, thanks to Envy being flexible on this, still get to contract and 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 do other types of things uh, in the event space, which has been really cool. I mean, again, came, coming from anime, I'm still involved a lot in those scenes, both digitally and physically. Um, I'm actually putting together myself a uh, one-day event at the esports stadium on October 30th. Ooh. So, so that's pretty cool. We announced it recently. It's called Nishi Fest. It's a uh, it's a one-day. Uh, celebration of uh, anime and Asian pop culture uh, here in you know in the West, and so uh, that's really cool to be working on because I'm I'm doing a lot of learnings from that as well too with this with this new scope of of you know event uh, planning now that you have to think about a lot of different things <laughs> and making it a one day event, trying to make it a little bit more accessible to different audiences that might not be able to commit to like a, a normal three day anime convention or something like that, and so um, you know both. From a content standpoint, with with uh, you know working with the different guests and stuff to create programming, but also you know other elements like we want we're going to do a uh, import car show, we're yes. going to do a, a fighting game tournament, trading card tournament. Uh, we have like a food truck night market, um, and really honing into these like bits and pieces of of of, an, of Asian pop culture that really you know people gravitate towards, and so that's something as envy in the future as well too. We're going to be looking more towards. Um, not just being wholly focused on producing esports events, but really becoming a uh, you know geek nerd pop culture gamer you know relative organization overall. And you can see a lot of that with our content right mm-hmm. now. You know, working with uh, people like the Botez sisters who are yep. you know big in the chess scene. We've got uh, you know all of our Warzone streamers. We've got uh, Rocket League. We've got um, you know the bits and pieces of people who aren't necessarily esports pros but are just entertainers in the gaming space 
For sure, for sure. You, you said import car show. My, the hair stood up on the back of my neck because my dad owned. He's like fifty years old. He owns an RX seven from like nineteen ninety four, and he's still re- restoring it. So I'm like, please don't invite him because that'll just be a disaster for the household. He'll be obsessed with it for the, the months to come. But I'm sure we'll, I'll I'll have to take him out eventually to go see it then. But that's oh, something. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'll have to go check no, it out. My dad also uh, had an RX seven. Oh, like when we were, I mean, this was before I was even born. <laughs> I, I only saw photos of this thing with with the with the like great fin back window. Yep. You know, like oh, man, that rotary life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Don't get me started on it. That's that's all my household. My childhood was filled with just rotary life things. As my dad always had like a rotary engine in the in the house. Just had to re- fix it up, put it back in the car. Oh, it's broken again. Fix it again. It's the yeah. life of dealing with with a parent mechanic. So that's it's. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you kind of dealt with the same thing. But I mean. <laughs> Let's do a little bit of a deep dive in, into events, right? Like forgetting about the pandemic for a second. Not that it, it's, I mean, it's hard to forget, forget about it. It's, over, it's always looming over us. But what is the most difficult thing about event planning and execution? Is it, is it finding, you know, the right venues? Is it partnering with the right people, the right brands? Is it kind of making sure everything goes off without, you know, a, a hitch? You know, it's, it's identifying what is important to you as an event planner. And, and that might seem kind of vague, but really at the end of the day, you're trying to hit a goal. And as an esports organization, that can be different depending on who you are. Sometimes you're trying to hit a sponsorship obligation slash deliverable. Sometimes you're trying to satisfy, you know, this, this league requirement. Sometimes you're trying to make a buck. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish first? And then you can really start building a, a real plan because your plans are going to sh- change so drastically depending on what that goal is. Like, are we trying to minimize expenses? and just maximize efficiencies? Are we trying to create a flashy event that we can use to help sell, you know, future sponsorships? Are we trying to make the most competitive environment for our team to perform? Uh, all, n- unfortunately, those things don't all work together. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's that fine balance of like, okay, everyone's like, well, we want all of those. And it's like, you can't get all three. You know, you, you have to pick and choose what's, what's our priority here. Because you can't make the most competitive, most entertaining, and cheapest event possible. Right. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's a hard thing to manage, right? So, I mean, what do, I mean, when, when you're planning these events out ahead of time, like you said, you, you usually do a six-month period before the event starts. What is the, like, the preliminary step-by-step process? Like, step one, figure out budget. Step two, uh, who are we going to get in, like, involved in terms of content? Uh, step three, brands. Who are we going to get partnered with? Like, what is that, like, step-by-step process for you guys in terms of what, you prioritize i mean step one definitely is why why the heck are we doing this event (laughs) and then step two is okay now who's paying for this event (laughs) (laughs) and i wish i wish we had six months to plan all our events i mean recently uh we've been working on about a month month and a half maybe two month window because of the uncertainty of the pandemic and then, you know, even if you made a plan two months ago, that plan's going to change because all of the regulations and stuff change. So, you know, now you can have, you know, 50% capacity. Now you can have 75%. Now you can have full capacity, but you have to have social distancing. But you can't do social distancing with full capacity because that doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are we doing? Uh, and why are we doing it? And then are you going to, is the focus on the audience and the broadcast? Like, is, is the goal of this event to look good for a broadcast, which a lot of the league events are? Because they just, you know, their big audience is the people that are watching it online. You know, I can't fit, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people into this one venue, unfortunately. Mm. Um, that'd be really cool at some point. But 
not right now. <laughs> um, so what what are we trying to create here? Is is the stage the most important thing? Because like the Call of Duty Major Four, it was all just stage. That's all it was, mm-hmm. right? We didn't even worry about. There was no audience. You didn't even see where people would be sitting because it's just like a black void. And so you know, getting that goal of like, what is this event supposed to be, and why are we doing it? And then of course making sure you have the right venue. Thankfully, we've had the advantage of having venues like the Esports Stadium here. Um, Not that that's the only one, but that has been the easiest turnkey one. And I've already produced multiple events there. Yep. So, you know, working with that specific venue is very easy for us to know and understand. And and honestly, we help other people do events in that space at this point, which is fun. For sure. Um, Yeah. And then, but we, before that, don't get me wrong. I had to do, (laughs) I've done so many site visits with all these different venues around the Metroplex. Uh, You know, we went to Dickie's Arena and American Airlines Center, Toyon Music Factory, Colwell Center, you know, Eisman Center. Like, we try to get creative. Like, well, I'll go into like the Symphony Hall and be like, how can this become an esports event? Or I'll go into this, you know, basketball facility. Like, what can we do to turn this? into a cod you know major what do we need to bring in how much staging do we need what the most importantly and this is the hardest part about esports is what screens are we going to have and how much are they going to cost that is 100 the most expensive thing about an esports event is you need the biggest brightest best looking screens because that's the game that is what people are watching and you can't skimp on that no and that's tough no, for sure. I mean, I used to work in a past life. I used to work for an events company, and part of that was uh, LED screens and LED screens assembling and all that. It was, uh, it was if just if just dropping an LED panel was would cost like five hundred or so dollars. The whole thing is is got to be worth you know easily a couple hundred thousand. So I was just like, this is yeah. absolutely insane. The kind of work just to you know get this stuff up in the air. Never mind planning it all out in the first place. So I guess. Right, the event is planned. Everything's going swimmingly in terms of setup and everything. Now it has to start. So during the event, I mean, I'm sure at your position, you're spending a lot of time just like managing fires and on crisis watch and averting things like any kind of trouble on the horizon you're looking out for and just kind of managing people. Is that kind of what you do during an event? Yeah, my my main job for an event is to is to think about all of the things that are going to go wrong, and you know, create a plan A B C D E F G. Uh, to make sure that we get through it. And thankfully, we've got people like Corey Dunn uh, mm-hmm. on our team now who used to work at Esports Stadium and, and knows that facility you know, in and out as well, uh, but is also an expert at all kinds of live production and stage production and broadcast production. So he really gets to save my ass on all of the production and technical pieces. <laughs> and so his job is to focus on on those pieces. And my job is to focus on the overall experience from a from a fan piece as well as kind of the back end from uh the the my my focus is the human pieces yes and his focus is the technological pieces now don't get me wrong he's very well versed on the human pieces and wants to understand how the human pieces fit with the production pieces so that they're getting the best experience um and then vice versa you know i have to know enough about production to understand that hey this is gonna be an issue if we do it this way so we work very well together to to really build a event that is I don't want to say foolproof, but but is uh, flexible enough to accommodate last minute changes, fires happening. You know, you always plan for the worst and expect for the best, right? And hope yes. for the best. 
Yes, so, that's, that's usually how it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so day of, I'm usually running around, you know, let, making sure people, we hire a bunch of staff members to do these things, right? We hire brand ambassadors to help us at the front of the house with ticketing, activations. Uh, we hire pr- additional production crew in the back. And, you know, both from our experiences, Corey has guys he trusts. I have people I trust. And, uh, you know, we, we hopefully don't have to do the things as much anymore as make sure other people are doing their jobs. Of course, we have to step in for a lot of things here and there. Corey still directs shows. I still, you know, will literally be physically, you know, loading in and loading out and, and, and running around. So, um, but, you know, we've luckily built up this network of people that we can trust to, to help us produce these events. For sure. And, you know, sometimes the VP of events has to get his hands dirty, get his own boots on the ground and, you know, help out with the loading and unloading, help out giving tickets, stuff like that. So you're not just a, not just the higher up, just kind of just like looming over everybody. You're the guy also right next to the, you know, the brand ambassadors helping things get done, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sweating as much as they are. <laughs> exactly. <me. laughs> so I guess like when, when all is said and done, right? Events done, you're tired, you go home, you sleep for like 12 hours or so for the next day. I mean, after that, how do you do? I mean, do you do like staff like performance reviews? Do you do like fan satisfaction metrics and a bunch of other like numbers you guys kind of like look at? How do you properly judge that, you know, a successful event has been successful? Yeah, luckily, um, technology has made this a lot easier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with with the way ticketing platforms work, we, we just did a, uh, a new partnership with Tixer uh, to do, you know, do our ticketing and they have a lot of data that that is pulled on the ticket processing, you know, platform. So that, that's really helpful. One of the big pieces I always want to know for, especially our long day events is like, when did people show up? You know, 50% of a thousand person audience showed up an hour before the event started is really interesting to us. Cause that's, that's a real stat like mm-hmm. that has happened. Right. Um, and, uh, and our match isn't, isn't until like three hours later. So like understanding that consumer behavior, like when they're going to be there, what do they want to see? What do they want to experience? You know, working with our team, Colby, who's our uh, director of sales uh, for ticketing, like is really good about being able to to parse through that data and and manage that process. And then um, Will Reardon, who's who's uh, kind of our event, uh, I guess you would say, like event producer now. He's he's done a lot of these events with me and has learned a lot. So you know, we will have our meetings uh, post event and be like, what went well, what went wrong, you know, how do we make up for this. Um, how do we create efficiencies? And so we have our little postmortem meeting, um, and with our sales team and, 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 uh, player ops to make sure, you know, like how was the experience for the, the actual players? Like what could we do to help them, you know, improve their performance? Like, is are there things that they needed that we didn't provide? Are there things they really liked, you know, um, being able to work with our social team to, to ask, Hey, what did fans talk about? Like, what were they calling out on social media? that they really loved about this event versus, you know, what did they complain about? So we don't <laughs> do that again. Um, so yes, there's a lot of that uh, feedback loop that we really want to have, especially as we continue to do very similar events. Um, unfortunately, that's not always the case. <laughs> We've had very few events that have been the same. Almost every event has been drastically different, <laughs> <laughs> which just makes it hard to like rinse and repeat, but you can at least learn. Yes. Right. And and from an evaluation standpoint of the team, you know that's that's a, that's a, a lot of it's a case by case basis. The events team, and I don't know if people understand this, but our events team is not big at Envy. Like it's me, 
Uh, Corey is like kind of on events team now. He's <laughs> you know our executive producer, and then we've got Will uh, and Colby, and then we have an intern right now, Justin Tun, who just got brought on this summer to help us get through this this you know slew of events that kind of happened last minute. And that's really the events team. And then we work with a bunch of other teams and contractors and things to make sure, you know, we, we, we are in this space, uh, you know, we have enough ha- hands and everything to go around. But that's the core of it. And usually we just plan initially for us to be the only ones doing anything. Wow. So wow, it's, that's, it's good. So you learn a lot. That's impressive, though. I mean, you, you don't even have like a 10 man team behind you. You have like, you know, a, a small core of guys. And that's kind of how it gets done. And that's that's amazing. You put on an event that, you know, hosted what I guess for the Overwatch uh, event it was like maybe I think a thousand or so people, maybe a little bit more than that. Recent, yeah, mm-hmm. it was about a thousand. And then Call of Duty Major, we had. uh what was that 1800 yeah 1800 yeah, it was, something it's like that. that it was it was a pretty it's those are sizable events these are not small events you know uh, a lot of other bigger companies spend more money and more time putting together events that are end up turning you know 100 or so people here and there and, and you know, it's, oh yeah it's money wasted don't get me wrong we we hire um you know contractors and things uh specifically on my side the brand ambassadors and we've got people that have proven their worth you know they they get paid we don't do any volunteers that's the thing that i'm very against for a for-profit <laughs> event like always pay your people <laughs> please please i know there's a lot of events out there that are like oh we'll just take volunteers like no nope. no, no no that's that's not good pay them um, up a little but bit we, yeah and we get those people and it's very important they're very they're very essential to make these function and they have to be quick learners and they have to be good problem solvers and that's the main thing i look for in hiring anybody well i mean you're, you're you're turning out fires yourself i'm assuming the people you hire would, would want to also turn out fires but i mean you answered every question i threw at you i was i was mostly just i wanted to talk a little bit about events and you kind of just gave me more than i wanted i'm just like this is a lot of kick i don't know if i can you know stuff this all in my mouth but i want to thank you man for, for coming on and kind of explaining the exact event process how it goes and everything from from strike to to set up and everything like that i mean i have one last question for you though earlier i mentioned that you do a lot of behind the scenes stuff i mean that was that was kind of a little bit of a lie because you do have some very awesome very amazing cosplay from like dragon ball uh, uh dragon ball characters to that awesome mass effect n7 armor on top i mean you have some voice credits here and there too in a different world right uh, b- uh, barring the the social media the content and event side of things could we have seen a voice actor vo- voice actor extraordinaire justin or possibly professional elite cosplayer justin rojas is that ever a possibility in your mind so th- those are definitely things I've thought about in the past. I have a lot of friends that do these things very well. I mean, you know, some of the highest tier cosplayers in the world, um, you know, crafters and everything, and then voice actors, right? We, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's crazy to see the amount of talent that's that exists in the space. And and do I feel like I could be that? Uh, probably not. <laughs> I think I could contribute and then have a good time. But like, I'm gonna leave those specifics to the pros. I will have fun doing it. But then I'll also enable it by creating my <laughs> own events. So the people, the thing people like for you know to get from me is like they're really good at what they do, and then I'll create a way to make them uh, be able to do those things. So you know, I've got my my studio. Um, me and Michelle Pennington, we have, we co-own a, a recording studio called Studio Nano, and so uh, you know we've we've created a new business to to help companies like Funimation and, you know, video game companies and things to produce voiceover for their projects. 
And so, yeah, still very heavily integrated in that scene. I've learned a lot about voiceover. I do not consider myself a voice actor. <laughs> um, I would be more on the producer side of things. Uh, but I love to be able to, you know, enable people and create opportunities for them to do their work and do their passions and, and create diversity within the workspace as well, too. Same thing with this event we got coming up, yep. right? October 30th, we're going to be flying out a bunch of cosplayers from, you know, a, a, across the the nation. We're going to have a lot of local people there. We're going to be, you know, having voice actor guests and things. So it's like, I'll do what I do well and make sure to bring those pieces here and, 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 and get, so they don't have to worry about that, right? Like, yes. I want to create a good experience for them so that they can do what they do best and, and show the fans. I mean, you just you just set up the stage, man, and everybody else is kind of uh, kind of has to step into the spotlight. So you kind of you you want to be behind the scenes more than more often than not, right? More often than not. I mean, it, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I'll do my on camera work here and there. You know, we hosted a uh, anime talk show for a couple years mm-hmm. uh, between myself and and Chad James from Screw Attack and Lauren from Funimation, and that was fun. Don't get me wrong; that was very fun. Um, I have to give props to anybody that's a entertainer and performer on a consistent basis because maintaining schedules like that is that's just a thing that I could not do. I trying to hit one show a week, like Wednesday night at at seven p.m. whatever the heck it was, just trying to keep that on my calendar every week was so hard. These streamers, these content creators that are trying to maintain, you know, weeks or days every week uh on schedule like that's that's beyond me i'll have meetings and things but i couldn't turn on the personality on camera every day or five days a week even so props to everybody that does that for sure for sure man but also props to you it's hard to to put you know events together so you do a great job of it and i'm sure the future will be bright with with more events you got planned down the road like the the october 30th one and so i want to thank you for coming on the show man again i i greatly appreciate it and i greatly appreciate all the insight you, you provided hey thank you for having me it was fun time uh you know it's been a, it's been a little bit of time since we've got to talk and it's yeah. it's nice to be able to talk about these things that there are actual events happening so that's exciting yes for sure so uh, at just rojas on the on the social medias at envy on twitter you can, from there you can catch all the other socials like dallas fuel dallas empire but most importantly just rojas of course is the, is the big one you want to you want to go to he, like i said look him up has some great cosplay some great content on on, on his side of things and so uh don't 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 sleep on justin here so justin thank all you right. again for coming on the show man i appreciate it thank you very much for having me so he is justin rojas vp of events over at envy gaming And I'm just the guy. I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network Podcast. Ah!